Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my special guest, who is going to be the first interviewee of a series that we're kicking off with this show called the Top Producer Series. I have Barry Botwin. He is a loan originator, 15-year veteran of the mortgage business, top producer, one percenter, and our guest. Barry, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Dio. Great to be here. Uh, we are so thrilled that you said yes, um, and even more thrilled that it only took you about a 19-second walk to get to the <laughs> office studio, um, because Barry works for Waterstone Mortgage. Waterstone Mortgage is a top 50 independent mortgage lender in America. It is a national lender. They do lots of good things. Yes, it is who I work for as well, but Barry is one of many top, top producers who do an excellent job serving their community um, and was an easy selection for who would pop our cherry as being our first top producer spotlight. I'm honored. Awesome. So Barry, so many times when you listen to any type of interview with a top producer, um, I find that it's either very surface level or very task oriented. And I'm not going to shy away from the fact that, you know, doing certain tasks obviously make people more successful. But what I'm hoping to do with this series is I want to dive deep almost into the emotional um, strategy or even the, the internal drive that comes with being successful in general. Now, you are very successful in the mortgage loan origination field. You are going to be in the top 1% in terms of the volume that you closed this year. You're, you're consistently in the top 1% in the income that you earn. Um, but it wasn't always that way, correct? No, it definitely wasn't that way. Uh, prior to coming to Waterstone, I was, um, you know, probably at best average. Okay. Uh, you I made just, a good living. Yes. And, 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 and you helped uh, a sufficient amount of families and, and closed decent amount of volume, but it wasn't at that top producer level. No, and I think that's twofold. One was my environment. So certainly a lot of my success I owe just to being here. Okay. And the company. Shameless um, plug for Waterstone Mortgage. Just the truth. <laughs> okay. Honest truth. I, tr I truly do owe a lot to my success being here, but also just being around uh, producers like you uh, and Mike and others uh, kind of allowed me to see what that looks like. But you made, if I remember correctly, and you've been with us now for five years, right? Yes. So you were somewhere else for 10 years. And mm -hmm. prior to that, you had a really cool career. Yeah. So I, what did you do prior to entering the mortgage industry? So I used to fly airplanes for a living. Like, like little airplanes? I, I have. I started off uh, as a flight instructor, um, spent many, many, many hours over Lake Apopka in a little Cessna doing stalls and spins and all kinds of fun stuff. And then ultimately... Uh, ended my flying career at uh, Northwest Airlines, or now Delta Airlines, flying the Airbus A320. Wow. Airbus is no DCs or any other type of aircraft? Always Airbus? Always? No. Uh, so I've, I was a Boeing guy. Okay. For, yeah. So the, the, the little sticker that I had on my flight kit is, if it's not Boeing, I ain't going. <laughs> uh, I was a big Boeing guy. I love Boeing. Uh, but ultimately, the, the airplane that I was on, the airline uh, made a financial decision to park them 
And uh, it made sense to me, and seniority-wise made sense to me, to move into the, uh, the Airbus 320. Awesome. That's just a really cool side note and a, yeah. a small rabbit hole. By the way, everyone who listens to this show, and you know me personally, but you know I'm a big podcaster. I love to, I love to read books. I love to uh, listen to podcasts and then talk about them and share them. Um, so much so that I decided to start my own podcast, and maybe one day I'll be uh, uh, risky enough to write a book. But... Um, one cool podcast that I listen to is called Business Wars, and there's an awesome Business Wars, Boeing versus Airbus. Oh, wow. I yeah. got to listen to that. Yes. They're usually like <clears throat> six-part series, about 20, 25-minute episodes. Um, so Business Wars is the podcast, but you talking about flying both Boeing airplanes as well as flying Airbus airplanes, uh, you would really enjoy that podcast. And there's always a, a business lesson to be learned through the, the – so it's both – entertainment, it's education, and it's um, uh, a, a, a lesson, right? Kind of yeah. like what we try to do on this show. Right. No, that's awesome. I will, I will definitely check that out. But yeah. no, so so you, you flew airplanes, you got in the mortgage business for 10 years. You were what many would call a great technician. Yes. Right? Um, then you made a conscious decision. Like your decision to come to Waterstone wasn't because you needed help being a better technician. Um Will you describe to me kind of your thought process? And, and it, look, it doesn't have to be that you came to Waterstone, but you made a change. We'll, we'll just say that you made a change. What was your thought process? What was your your mental state or your mentality? Um, and then where is it today? Because today, to give the audience some perspective, uh, when Barry came over, he was about a $10 million producer. It's kind of what you're getting at. Uh, by your second year of making a change, you... Produced 24 million, then 26 million. I think this year you're on pace to do well over 40 million dollars in volume. Knock which wood. Is, what's that? <laughs> Knock on wood. Knock on wood, <laughs> which is huge. Yeah. But that didn't come because you joined a new mortgage company. That changed. It, maybe you'll you'll tell me differently. But 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 that had maybe something to do with it. Sure. But something happened in your from your mental state. Can you walk me through what changed, and then even walk us through the mental progression? from year one of when you made the change to today? Sure. So, I mean, not to get in the weeds too much on that, but I, I yeah, almost have to go back to Dodd-Frank okay. because um, with, with Dodd-Frank, I've always brokered. I always worked for a broker. Okay. Uh, Waterstone's the first lender uh, that I've ever worked for. So brokering after Dodd-Frank became a nightmare. Um, Very I, paperwork I, intensive. Overlay intensive. Okay. Um, having no control over it into your file, um, you know, nationwide appraisal management companies, so on and so forth. It just became very, very difficult and very restrictive on how much business you could do. Um, in leaving the airlines and originating mortgages, I think that I probably didn't make the, I wish I had made this change sooner, but I believe I didn't only because I was very fortunate to quickly replace my airline income, which is a very comfortable living, originating mortgages. So once I did that, I think I kind of was like, okay. You made it. I've arrived. Yes. And I will tell you sitting here today, I appreciate, you know, um, the 1% and all that. And maybe part of it will get to that is I, I don't feel that way. Okay. Right? Like for me, um, you know, average uh, as far as in the big picture of things. And Still maybe today. Absolutely. Like coming off of back-to-back-to-back years where you've been – on award stages, receiving rewards and accolades and the, the, the paychecks that come with the high volume and production still feel average? 100%. Okay. Like, like I feel 
every morning it is like zero zero on the scoreboard. Wow. Or or, or I haven't produced a penny. Has it always been that way, or no. was that a a mental switch that flipped for you? I think it was a mental sh- uh, shift or switch, if you will. And and again, I, I think part of it is coming here was that uh, mental shift, and then a, a large part of it as well was to you know get into coaching or, or being coached okay. in, in my business. But um, yeah, I think that uh, I don't know if you ever read Tim Grover's book, Relentless. I have not read it, but I've been it's been recommended to me like two or three different times. It, it, I'll probably hop on Amazon as soon as you leave and uh, and buy it. It'll be added to the list. So you've seen the Jordan series? Yes. Okay. So Tim actually is in that. Okay. He's interviewed, um, and he talks about Jordan, the difference kind of between a cleaner and a closer, right? Both in the NBA, both high level. But when the champagne's being popped in the championship in Chicago and everyone's partying, having fun, Jordan's in the corner getting his bag together. It's Saturday night, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And on the way out, he mentions to Grover, I'll talk to you Monday morning at 8 a.m. That's how we figure out how we do this again. Like he's already thinking about next year. And I just, uh, to me, that resonates with me. That's why I think that series was amazing because I think from a business standpoint, uh, the, the book as well, it's really, really helpful. But yeah, I, I think coming here, I've always, uh, you know, have felt that way, um, especially when you're surrounded by the people that you want to emulate. Yeah, you and I were talking off camera about James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. And it's the book I'm finishing right now. It's um, going to be on my top five list. You haven't read it yet. Yeah. But something I think is because it, it correlates to what you've said a couple of times about coming here, here being Waterstone. Yeah. It, it could have been several other mortgage companies. But what you're saying is you changed your environment to surround yourself with people that did 20, 30, 40, 50 million when you were doing 10 million in volume. And all of a sudden, you were no longer content with what you were doing because you saw that there was so much more potential you could be tapping into. Maybe you didn't see that at your prior firm because maybe you weren't surrounding yourself with people that were doing uh, that type of business or a business at that level. Spot on. Okay. I, I think that coming to Waterstone and, and changing my environment and surrounding myself with top loan originators like yourself and others, I, I think sparks something. So that that's probably a good takeaway for anyone, regardless of industry. I mean, you and I are in the mortgage industry and we're loan officers, but this can correlate to uh, uh, PI attorneys and CPAs who own their own firm and financial advisors and so many other small businesses to large businesses where it's about who you surround yourself with. Hundred percent, and I also think that translates to your personal life. Like I, you know, I'm always talking about, you know, surround yourself, whether it be family or friends, surround yourself with people that better your life, that you look up to, that you enjoy being around, that support you, and you support them. So I think whether it's in business or in your personal life, yeah, I think you you kind of ultimately are who you surround yourself with. So, lessons of a top producer. Lesson number one, surround yourself with people you want to be like or people that they have achieved a certain level of success that you aspire to achieve yourself. 100%. Okay. Um, Again, thinking more from the the mental aspect, right? You you mentioned relentless, and that is, I mean, Michael Jordan's mentality and his approach. Yes, he was six foot five. Yes, he could fly through the air. Yes, he had a sweet fadeaway jump shot. But at that level in the NBA – Almost everyone 
can 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 say that about their talent, but not everyone had Michael Jordan's mental approach. His mindset. His mindset. Yep. So Barry Botwin's mindset, what was your mindset when you were making the switch? Obviously, one was I need to surround myself with more people that are at levels that I want to achieve. But what else was going through your mind during that time? And again, th- th- this could be going just from 10 million to 40 million in a matter of five years. I mean, think about that. You've gone from a $10 million producer to a $40 million producer in five years. What flipped from your approach that someone listening could take that to their daily life and implement, emulate, and start to see changes for the positive? Well, I think it's kind of everything that we just talked about. I think it was a combination of things. I think, number one, I was maybe push that way with with the change in the rules and regulations and it just becoming more and more difficult to produce on the, on the broker level side of things. So I, I knew I needed, for my own sanity, I knew I needed to make a change there. Uh, I think that, you know, I've always surrounded myself with, you know, people, friends that are uh, very successful and um, have great advice, my own kind of um, board, yeah, uh, you know, if you will, that I can bounce things off of, get ideas. Um, coming to a great company and having amazing support and systems and processes uh, along with uh, being coached. Uh, so you mentioned coaching a couple of times. So I want to jump on this. Sure. Um, scale of one to 10. Mm-hmm. 10's like phenomenal. It is why I am where I am today in my career. Mm-hmm. Where do you put coaching? Well, with that, with, again, with no disrespect to Waterstone, you and others that have helped me so much over the last five years, it's a 20. Yeah, coaching. Yes. Coaching, not even a 10. It's double the best you can be. So your advice to the younger version of yourself, I'm guessing would be, Barry, why in the hell were you not coaching 10 years ago? Why were you not in coaching 15 years ago? Or were you not ready for it? 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Wow. I, I, that second point is is really, really well, is, is a great point. Because I don't know that I I was ready for it, N- nor did I, nor do I know that I was in the right place for it. Yeah. Uh, because I think it would be, and I'm sure there are plenty of brokers out there that are doing production levels uh, or more. Oh, yes. Th- without yep. question. Um, but I think that... Um, I think part of it is maybe I just I wasn't ready for it, but then also again you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So you know, in coming here and uh, you know chatting with you and and Ben and and Mike and you know you know Mike uh, Smalley, one of the mm-hmm. managers here, is in coaching as well. Um, that's the, my first exposure to coaching. I had no idea it existed. Common sense would say, hey, Michael Jordan had some great coaches, right? Yes. Um, you know, Dan Marino had one of the, if not the, one of the best coaches ever to coach in football. So whether it's professional sports or professional originator, why not have that accountability? And I, and I don't necessarily think you, you have to be quote unquote coached. Um, if the coaching didn't exist, I would certainly reach out to someone like you or Mike, if nothing more, just from an accountability partner uh, and being held accountable for my, what I'm doing every day and ultimately what my goals are. But, and and I, see, I love that you bring up coaching, though, because there's you know, a second takeaway. If you're someone who is serious about making a change for the better, coaching. Coaching, coaching can be a nutritionist. Coaching can be a financial advisor. Coaching can be a therapist. I mean, it's, you know, coaching doesn't necessarily always have to be 
uh, a business coach, or you may get to a point in your life where you have all four. You have a nutritionist, you have a personal trainer, you have a business coach, and you have a therapist because you recognize that every day you wake up and the score is zero, zero. And you want to give yourself as many advantages that you can. And to me, a coach gives me an advantage. It gives you an advantage and the proof's kind of in the pudding. Uh, but the mentality that I'm learning from talking to you right now is, okay, I have to wake up understanding that good enough never is. Whatever I did yesterday, that was good for yesterday. But today the score is zero to zero. It, and if I can, I yeah. apologize for interrupting. No, no, as long do. as at the end of the day, I can look myself in the mirror and go, did I do my best today? Yeah. And I, can't, I without question, I would be lying if I said every day the answer is yes. Every day isn't the answer yes. But if it's no, I didn't. Okay, where do I feel I fell short? And what can I do to change that? So it doesn't happen the next day. But actually, you said something else, too. I, I just realized now, thanks to you, I actually do have coaches in, in all those areas. Thanks to you, I, you know, I, I completed 75 hard. Nice. Um, you know, I, I've lost a, a ton of weight. I've really kind of transformed my body. And now I have uh, both a, 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 per, a fitness coach, a wellness coach, business coach. I have some uh, pretty impressive people that I know personally that help me uh, – with life events? Life events, yeah. uh, business events, tough decisions. Um, so yeah, I actually, looking at my life, this is the first time in my life I, anybody's ever pointed out, I've actually just taken a look at, I, I actually do rely on a lot of people and respect a lot of people to help me get me where I need to be. Let me ask you this personal question. Please. And uh, if you don't want to answer it, just say pass. Um, on the happiness scale, where would you rate yourself today? Right now, sitting here, right, right now, now, today. Yes, I, I'm. I'm. I'm pretty freaking happy right now. You're pretty dialed in, right? I am. I. I, I really feel like um, life is really good, and especially you know with the COVID thing. You know, you and I talk to clients all the time, whose income and lives have been affected by this pandemic, and you know, knock on wood, God bless that. Um, you know, life is really, really good, and I'm grateful for that. So every morning when I get up, again, part of coaching is I have a greatness journal and i have to write down three things i'm grateful for every morning oh that's fantastic yeah, I'm i love gonna, it. i'm actually going to take that with me yeah um because the book the book i'm reading um <laughs> I sound like a freaking broken record the book i'm reading <laughs> uh, but in in atomic habits they talk about journaling and there's so many things that i feel like i can do habitually journaling isn't one of them mm -hmm. but the book also teaches you just do it even if it's only one minute or two minutes of journaling if you start with one to two minutes of anything and you do it consistently, you'll probably get better at it and start to, to do it longer. Um, that's a great idea. When I wake up, while maybe I have it sitting next to the sink because the first thing I do when I wake up is I brush my teeth. Yep. I could write then journal before I go grab my cell phone because the second thing I do is grab my cell phone. Third thing I do is go to the bathroom in that order right. every single morning. If I, if I just put journaling in between brushing my teeth and grabbing my cell phone, and I can hold my bladder for another <laughs> two minutes, then I could write down three things I'm grateful for. Yeah, I, I find that uh, that was a coaching assignment. Um, you know, I, I had some, you know, little, uh, as you know, uh, kind of a personal rough, yeah. rough patch. Yeah. Last year sucked for you. Last La year was a pretty shitty year. L last year. But besides your mortgage business, <laughs> that was great. Yeah, right. Everything else. Eh. Yeah, yeah. I definitely had a couple bumps in the road. And that was an assignment my coach gave me uh, was to... Um, keep a gratitude journal. In the first couple of weeks, it's really easy. 
It's really easy. Family, friends, and yeah. so all of a sudden I, I run out of, I'm kind of standing there in the morning, right? And I'm like, ah, uh, running out of ideas. So I had a conversation with them and I said, I, I, you know, this is getting difficult. Like I'm really having a hard time. It used to be, it would take me three seconds and it's taken me two minutes. Now I'm five minutes. Thing. And uh, his response was, exactly. That's awesome. Well, yeah. when he said that, I didn't say that's awesome. I said, what? <laughs> Hang on. You know, he said, that's the point is for you to, you get the easy stuff off the table, but for every morning for you to really take a few minutes and dive in, there's so much to be grateful for. And I know it so, sounds so cliche, and, and I, I used to hear that and be like, ah. I mean, I've heard about gratitude journals forever. Ah, not for me, is what, what, I, what I basically said. Did you ever uh, go to do your gratitude journal, and you're like, oh, God, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Ah, I'm so grateful I slept through the night. I didn't have to wake up to pee. Half the time. <laughs> not the pee part. <laughs> Half the time, I'm like, yeah. What am I going to say? Yeah. And, you know, and, and my coach was like, hey, Barry, you know, if you're out and you take the dog for the walk, oh, for a walk and you just look at, you know, the beautiful green grass, you can be appreciative and grateful that your lawn is beautiful and you're, you know, you know there's green, nice grass for the dog to pee. Yeah. Little um, things. So we glossed over this and, and, and I won't dive deeper into it, but I want to thank you for sharing and being open and honest and vulnerable that 2019 you dealt with some 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 stuff mm -hmm. because I think that's important for anyone listening to take away is that even people at at the top, it's not always great, right? At the top, what what are they on the top of? Well, they're the top of their business, their restaurants, you know, Michelin rated, or their bar is opening up its its third franchise. That's great, but those people still have life happening. The difference between someone who's at the top. And those that maybe are still trying to achieve the top is they don't let life stop them, right? That's just another obstacle to overcome. But ultimately, they, know, they, they trust that if they do enough of the right things and they do them consistently enough, that they're ultimately going to achieve their goals, which is what you have exhibited so well in your career. It's also now spilled over into your personal life. Um, something that we didn't dive into mm -hmm. That I would like to get your take on this. So um, you were talking earlier about um, uh, things that motivate you. And um, I can't remember exactly what you said, but um, it was something along the lines of, of what you use to motivate yourself. And I was just thinking, well, for me, it's something that someone said to me regarding my children. And it's someone that you and I both know. You know him way, way better than I do. Josh Sigmund, he's in our industry yeah. in Texas. Yeah. Met him once. And we were having a chat at a bar waiting for a drink. And whatever was said, he said this to me and it stuck with me forever. And he said, when you go to sleep, that's what you're saying. You want to be able to look at, look at yourself in the mirror and right. be proud of, of the, the, the work that you did and, and, and what you accomplished. Right. He said, as a parent, would you be proud of yourself if you were your son or daughter? I was like, huh? I wasn't quite following it. He goes, well... You hold your children to a certain standard. If your children held you to that same standard, would you make them proud? Basically, do you practice what you preach? Or do you hold your children to a higher standard than you hold yourself? Right. So for me, my takeaway was every day when I go home, I need to be looking in the mirror and say, would Jackson and Kendall be proud of their father? Or would they think their father's a hypocrite because I didn't practice everything that I preach to them and that I hold them accountable for? I didn't practice that day. 
No, that's awesome. And I, I do, I know Josh and that sounds very Josh-ish, uh, very Sigmund uh, for, without question. Um, you know, I, 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 Josh Sigmund Freud. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it, it obviously goes back ultimately when you boil it down, golden rule. Yeah. Right. You know, walk the walk, talk the talk, practice what you preach, do unto others, so on and so forth. I think those things that the, you know, are always tried and true. So as a father, yeah. Uh, one of the themes on this show is everything you should have learned in high school, but didn't usually because it wasn't taught. But as a father, are there certain things that you've taught your daughters or you try to teach your daughters that you do so consciously because you wished it was taught to you when you were their age? Or even you do it because it was something you learned at a, at a young, young age and it was extremely valuable, something you've taken with you in life to get you to where you are. And... If so, there has to be something in there. What could you share with the audience of a, of, of a topic that you make sure you teach to anyone who is maybe younger in their life? Yeah, that's a great question. And the first thing that comes to mind was uh, being raised, I grew up in South Florida, um, upper middle class family. Uh, but my parents always told me, um, we'll always love you. Uh, we may not support you in some of the decisions and things that you do, right? Go rob a bank. Hey, buddy. Yeah. You Still robbed, love you, but that was wrong. You robbed a bank. Yeah. Right? Um, but don't ever lie to us. Okay. So that was something as a father you have instilled in your daughters. like. And here's the thing. Not only have I instilled that in my two daughters, but uh, my team and I practice that. So we come to work every day um, that we treat everybody equally open, transparent, and honest. And as you know, in this business, that's not always easy to do. Mm -hmm. um, not so much the honest part is you either are or you're not, but you know, we deal with issues and problems all the time that come up. In fact, a large part, I believe in what we get paid for is resolving issues and problems. Uh, but I, I carry that over into my business. So I feel that it's so super important. Again, golden rule, treat others as you want to be treated, but also be very transparent, be brutally honest, and, and good things will happen. Fantastic advice, by the way. Like, and I love how you took it away from, yes, I learned this as a child. Yes, I taught this to my children. But more importantly, mm -hmm. because I'm on the Loan Officer Podcast, this is what I've taken into my business. This is something that I've incorporated, not just you to your clients, but you to your loan partners and your processor and what you expect out of them. Absolutely. I mean, if, you know, for a tight, for example, true story yesterday, um, you know, difficult situation, difficult uh, purchase, tight on time, a lot of domino mm -hmm. things are, are taking place. And the listing agent, you know, needed to know, hey, can you close it on this day? I said, we're going to do everything we can, but there's no way I can promise you that date. Yes. Knowing that, this, this listing agent, uh, uh, both agents actually have a lot of resources. And you know, am I risking somebody else telling them what they want to hear? Absolutely. But you know what? If, if, if I lose that transaction, if I lose that contract because someone's telling them what they want to hear, that's their problem. I just know that what I'm only going to tell them what I can guarantee I can live up to. So yeah, it, it definitely permeates in, in everything I do. And probably why it's the first thing that popped in my mind when you asked that question. 
When uh, um, I know we're getting short on time, I can see John Coleman behind the camera trying to give me the, the the wink, the nod, the ear pull, every um, you know, little cue he tries to give us to wrap it up. Um, but you and I talked about this off camera, and I want to find a way to incorporate it into this interview. Mm-hmm. You're telling a story about a monumental shift in mindset that you learned your first week of coaching. So you you entered into business coaching. I did. And we talked about the benefits. Top producers in any industry have some type of a coach. But what did you learn specifically? Um, because I do want to talk back and forth for a couple minutes about that. So I was told that um, the person I was interviewing with for to be a student. Mm-hmm. Um, You're that, interviewing with Rick Ruby, who I, is the the founder of the core. The core is the premier training platform for realtors and mortgage lenders. Absolutely. End of story. It is the premier. If you want to make a million dollars a year as a realtor, you want to make a million dollars a year as a loan officer, that's where you go. But you have to be good enough for them to accept you, which is why you're interviewing. Exactly. Okay, cool. And and, and in doing that, the big thing is, are you coachable? Yes. Do you have that mindset? Are you willing, if somebody tells you to jump, uh, to say how high? Yeah. Right? Because the person who's telling you to jump, their taxable income is $1.2 million. What's yours? Yes. So, um, but yeah, so I'm having an interview with, with Rick Ruby, or Rick Ruby's interviewing me, uh, longest 30 minutes of my life. Um, and he, he said to me, he goes, hey, Barry, you know, you strike me as somebody who's a really good technician. Like, I, bet, I know you're a phenomenal mortgage guy. The problem is you're 95% technician and 5% sales. My job in the next two years is to flip that, is to help you grow a team and have phenomenal technicians, but switch from 95% mortgage guy, 5% sales, to 95% sales and 5% mortgage. Did he ever have you read The the E-Myth? There's a book called The E-Myth, The Entrepreneur Myth. I've seen it. I have never read it. I got all kinds of stuff so, I listen to and read now. <laughs> way, 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 way. It's a hard read, by the way. Uh-oh. It's nowhere near some of the books I've recommended on this show that are like really good, uh, entertaining, helpful, insightful reads. But Kai McBride had me read it like 10 years ago. Okay. And it sounds like the, the reason why Kai had me read it is the same reason why Rick Ruby was telling you that you're a 95% technician, meaning you're really good at your craft. Yes. You just aren't that good at actually running a business. Exactly. I mean, uh, you're, you're, you're not a good businessman. You're a great mortgage guy. And when you read the e-myth, this is most of us. Most of us, you could be a baker. You could be, my, my sister does credentialing for Medicaid. So if you are a, um, a doctor or a, or a clinician or a therapist and you want to be able to accept Medicaid as a payment, right. you need to be credentialed. Huh? So my sister is a badass credentialer. Right. But she's learning how to become a badass businesswoman. How long has she been credentialing? Full-time yeah. for probably the past three or four years. It was, this is a total rabbit hole. I won't go down. Yeah, it. right. She she worked in social services, group homes, and, and, and transition um, uh, behavioral health for the past 15, 20 years. Credentialing is like most things. It just came up. Whatever company she worked for, they needed somebody to, to credential for them. Yeah. And she raised her hand and she said, I, I'll try it. Then she learned it. Then she was, people found out she could do it. Mm-hmm. Then outsiders started reaching out to her. Hey, can you credential for us? Can you credential for us? Long story short, she walked away from her full-time gig because this part-time gig that she never set out to do yeah. became 
you know, this, this, awesome. this awesome opportunity. So back on the e-myth and, and coaching and business, yeah. um, you know, I, I, that's what your coach taught you. And I think anyone listening to this, whether they're a loan officer, whether they're a realtor or they're my sister who's listening or my buddy Scott who owns his own um, uh, pest control company, yep. there's one thing is to be a great technician. The other thing is to learn how to be a great business person. Absolutely. And I asked you why, how long your sister's yes. been doing that. Because if I would have walked in that door, barely knowing how to spell mortgage, and I want to originate mortgages, and I had, in essence, that conversation, which wouldn't have happened, but let's just say for the sake of conversation, I had that conversation with Rick Ruby. And it was, I'm going to be 95% sales guy, 5% technician. Uh, to go back to an airplane term, I would not have an equal number of takeoffs to landings, meaning I would have crashed horribly. Part of, I believe, anyone's success is to be really good at your craft first and foremost. So I spent however many years becoming 95% technician, <clears throat> excuse me, and 5% sales. So I was at that point, I believe, in my origination career where I was ready to evolve. To evolve. Yeah. And, and, and okay, you want to do X amount? Okay, well, you can't do that, number one, by yourself. And you can't do it spending 95% of your time being a technician. You need the help of somebody who's better at being a technician than you are, but not as good a sales a as I am. Hence, team building. 100%. But also, again, that goes back to coaching because that's easier said than done, as you well know. Building a team, hiring the right people, you interview people every single day so you know how important that right choice is. So I think that part of that is first and foremost, if there are loan officers or maybe soon-to-be loan officers out there, learn your craft. Yeah, so I was going to say, to tie this down, right. and again, loan officers, realtors, but really anyone can apply these concepts to their to their work environment right. and possibly their, their personal life environment, but it's one in which you first have to dominate and master one aspect. And once you've dominated and mastered that one aspect, if you want to achieve greater success, it's at that point you can look towards taking the next step, but you can't go to step two until you've conquered step one. 100%. Before I was sitting at 35,000 feet in an Airbus A320, I can't tell you how many countless hours I spent over Lake Apopka in a Cessna 152 doing stalls and spins in the summer in 95 degree with, with no AC. No, well, with the window propped open so I can get some airing because I'm, you know, sweating like, uh, yeah. you know. So, yeah, but that that's – I learned my craft over Lake Apopka. Um, last three questions for yeah. you, and they're going to be bang, bang, bang questions. Okay. You're giving advice to your younger self, and younger could be year one in the mortgage business. Younger could be five years ago. Younger could be 22. What are three things that you want the, the younger version of Barry Botwin – to know so that he will have an easier trajectory to ultimate success? Number one, shoot for the stars. Anything's possible. Before I came to Waterstone, I did not know that you can make a million dollars originating mortgages or selling real estate. So in whatever you're doing or whatever you do, uh, just absolutely go for it. Uh, you know, you can make a billion dollars selling books online. 
If you're Jeff Bezos. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, but Good point. Who who would have thought, you know, there's Barnes & Noble out there and, and all these other bookstores. The space is occupied. Yes. Yes. Right. Um, okay, so that's number one. Shoot that, for the stars. Absolutely shoot for the stars. Uh, we only, it's a cliche, we only live once. There's no dress rehearsal. This is it. Yeah. Right? Uh, I guess depending on what you believe. But in, yeah. what I believe, th- this is it. Uh, that's number one. Number two Going back to what already we've talked about, um, I would have told myself, surround yourself with people that obviously love and support you, that you look up to, um, you are who you surround yourself with. And last but not least, especially day one in the mortgage world, even though I wouldn't have been able to do too much about it, but um, have an accountability partner. Okay. So even if it's day one in the mortgage business and you're going through whatever you're going through, tasks to, to learn X, Y, and Z, at least have someone to say, hey, my goal is to have all this completed by Friday and, you know, have you completed it? Yeah. And accountability partners, quite honestly, can go, that that covers all spectrums. Absolutely. I mean, that is, that is all aspects of life from diet to fitness, to not being an asshole, to being great at business. Having an accountability partner, someone who's willing to hold you accountable and call you out when you need it, yep. I think is is fantastic advice. Barry, I'm so appreciative of you being the first ah. to agree to come in and allow me to interview you for our uh, top producer series. Yeah. If someone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to reach you, whether it's just to network and connect? Maybe they have a question that they think that, that you're a subject matter expert and you can answer for them. Maybe they even want to do business with you. What's the best way to get a hold of Barry Botwin? Absolutely. Thanks, Dio. So, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun, and you're right. Uh, I don't. It, it goes by very quickly. Uh, but you can reach uh, me at the office here at Waterstone Mortgage at 407-645-6315. And that is 407-645-6315. And it's B Botwin, B-O-T-W-I-N at waterstonemortgage.com. Correct. Did you say 407-645-6315? I did. That's what I thought. Beautiful. (laughs) He's Barry Botwin. I'm Dio. We are out of time. We will see you on the flip side. Thank you for tuning in. Deuces. Deuces.